Welcome to The Art of Selling Wine. In this episode, I speak to Alain Delois. He's professor at Subagro, a university in France in Montpellier. And we talk about grapevine latent butt dormancy and shoot development, or in easier terms, how to delay the ripeness of the grapes to produce a later Welcome to The Art of Selling Wine. In this podcast, we explore the foundation of business success in the wine industry. And we also take a look at global game changers, such as changing climatic conditions, changing customer behavior and demands, emerging and fading distribution channels, and many topics alike that affect winemakers everywhere. My goal is to collect regional answers and strategies and spread the ideas worldwide. My name is Diego. I'm a wine marketing consultant specialized in the strategic brand positioning of small and medium-sized family wineries. I have a background as trained winemaker in Rheingau area, Germany, and a degree in international wine business. This podcast is my contribution to the wine sector that I love so much. Enjoy it in the vineyards or in the cellar, or while traveling as winemaker or sommelier, and don't hesitate to contact me. You are listening to The Art of Selling Wine, the podcast for wine professionals. This episode is presented to you by WinePlus. WinePlus is a German-based platform for wine professionals from all around the world. It is written W-E-I-N dot plus, W-E-I-N dot plus. And all the episodes of The Art of Selling Wine and my German podcast, Wein Verkauft, are available in early access for the WinePlus members. It's a free membership, so you don't have to pay and you get two weeks early access to any episode. The Bordeaux series is also powered by Amorim Kork. Amorim Kork is partner of my German podcast and therefore they enabled me to do this whole endeavor in Bordeaux. And if you are currently looking for a new supplier of high quality cork, I recommend taking a look at Amorim Cork. And if you understand German, I also provide a nice German episode. I think it's number 62 with Gerd Reis. He's the CEO of the Northern European division of Amorim Cork. And we talk about the renaissance of cork and the future of closing, closing systems for wine bottles. This whole series, the Bordeaux series, was made possible by a German company called Euramobil, Euramobile, you would pronounce it in English. They produce high-quality mobile homes and they provided me, meaning my wife and me, with a mobile home just for the trip to Bordeaux. And if you are interested in these kinds of things, I highly recommend going to The Art of Selling Wine episodes 4, maybe 5, and taking a look at our travel diary. In that episode, we talk about all the funny things we <laughs> got to see and uh, got to do in Bordeaux and all the accidents we had. And also, I give you a brief overview about the mobile home we were in and how living and working in a mobile home actually turned out to be. Additional partner for the French series is vitisphere.com. Whenever you want to find out about what's going on in French wine business, I highly recommend visiting Vitisphere. They are very helpful to our industry in France. 
The Bordeaux episodes were also supported by Bordeaux.com. It's the website of the Bordeaux Wine Growers Association, CIVB. And they supported me with giving me access to many, many, many of the interview partners that you are going to get to know in the following episodes. And we are live. My guest today is Alain Deloire. I think <laughs> I have this very long and rich tradition of butchering French and Italian names because <laughs> I'm from Germany and uh, sometimes I do not pronounce them correctly. And before we start this conversation, Alain actually asked me what exactly I am doing here. And I uh, I said to him, okay, maybe I explain this uh, to the audience as well, because there are always some people who listen to this for the first time. So uh, my name is Diego. I'm a winemaker, former winemaker from Germany, and I got very interested in uh, wine marketing and in using new emerging technologies. So I figured uh, we lack a wine business podcast for the international wine growing community. So it's a professional B2B podcast. It's not for people who drink wine. It's for people who produce and sell wine. And um, I explore topics about Uh, wine marketing mostly, but also about um, the the uh, topics that face uh, that, that winemakers have to face all around the world. So the generation change in uh, wine growing families, or the climate change, the impact of climate change, the changing customer behaviors. Um, so these are the kinds of, of uh, fields I'm interested in, and. Uh, Yeah, I try to get interesting guests. So I teamed up with IVES, the uh, International Viticulture and Enology Society, um, to uh, get um, access to interview partners like you, Alain, uh, from all around the world, uh, from all kinds of wine research fields, economics, uh, the viticulture, um, the chemistry, and uh, talk about the new findings in uh, research. Because I, I often figured that the, the research community is kind of a bubble. <laughs> and then you have the wine growing community out there. And um, there's sometimes a gap of communication between those two. And this is what I'm trying to close with uh, what I'm doing here. So my guest today, Alain Dura, he obtained his PhD in 1982 at the University of Montpellier in France. This means that you are way longer in the wine industry than I'm on this planet. So I hope we will have a lot to learn from you today. He also has a DSC, which means a Doctor of Science, uh, obtained in 1998 at also the University of Montpellier, and then worked 10 years as a researcher and team leader in viticulture at Moet and Chandon. So you are also very well educated in uh, sparkling wine. Like that, what, what, like that was not enough. Um, he has been working for 14 years as a professor in grapevine and fruit ecophysiology at uh, Montpellier Subagro. How is it? It is called right now, where he's back since November um, 2016 as professor in viticulture and grapevine physiology. In between those periods, Alan worked as professor in viticulture at Stellenbosch University from 2009 to 2012, and he was head of the department from 2011 to 2012. In 2013, he also was nominated Extraordinary Professor at Stellenbosch University, South Africa. 
Then from January, January 2013 to September 26, 2016, Alain took the role of director at the National Wine and Grape Industry Center at Charles Sturt University at Wagga Wagga, I think it is, in Australia, serving as acting director research um, of research at the research office from this uh, university. Uh, he is also the inventor of two patents, has published and co-published more than 220 papers about wine industry and also in uh, peer-reviewed journals, which is uh, one of the topics we are going to talk about, um, has written several books or co-authored several books and uh, yeah, was nominated as one of the 20 most influent persons of the French wine sector in 2019 by Vitisphere. So I hope everybody's a bit impressed. If you are curious about him, you find his website, which is www.grapewine-paradise.com. And he also has a small YouTube channel, which carries his name, Alain Deloire, where you find some videos about delayed grapevine development and other topics, which are very interesting and which are also our main topic today. Welcome to the, to the show, Alain. Um, now that we know a little bit about you, we want to talk about your work and especially about um, the topic of grapevine latent butt dormancy and shoot development. Maybe it would be nice to start the conversation with introducing your other co-authors from this paper, Anne and Susie, to the audience. Can you please do that for us? Yes, so first of all, uh, thank you, uh, Diego, for this uh, presentation. And this is where now everybody uh, knows that I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the, the and and uh, hello to to everybody uh, uh, who uh, is listening to us. Uh, so the authors of the paper you mentioned about uh, grapevine pruning, we can say gentle pruning. We will. We can have a talk uh, about that, on what is gentle pruning. Uh, the authors are <clears throat> uh, people from the, uh, or colleagues from the Simonit and Zirch Society. Simonit and Zirch Society is an Italian society uh, which is expert in uh, grapevine pruning uh, since uh, more than 20 years, and they are Uh, they have clients, I would say, a bit everywhere in the world. And Susie uh, Rogers, Dr. Susie Rogers, is one of my former colleagues from uh, Australia. Uh, and we are, we used to write uh, technical reviews together. Uh, we have fun with that, I would say. <clears throat> and she's, uh, she's expert in uh, grapevine physiology. Okay. Cool, thanks. Then uh, also I say hello to her and uh, we don't know each other, but we will talk about uh, her topic now. So as far as I understand your work, you are quite concerned with um, the impact of the changing climatic situation on practical wine growing. Um, how would you describe the current climatic situation for wine growers globally And what should we actually expect in the years to come? Well, that's a one million dollar questions. And <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of uh, uh, publication on this topic. And obviously, uh, 
the first thing we can say is that climate change is a reality. Uh, and uh, sometimes I'm just saying that uh, we are more uh, currently in what I call clim climatic disorders uh, than uh, real, well, it's a climate change, but the, what is frightening is the, 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 the disorders, the climatic disorders, meaning that uh, each uh, vintage is different from another and uh, it's difficult to predict what will happen. Uh, if you look at what is happening in France, uh, for example, what did happen last year with the spring frost, uh, with drought, and if you look at what did already happen this year in France uh, with spring frost, and then after hail, and then now we are moving uh, with uh, drought issues in, in most vineyards, uh, I have to say it's a bit, uh, it's a bit frightening. Uh, and uh, I know that unfortunately the growers and the wineries are really suffering. And, uh, and it's not so easy uh, to find the solutions to sort out all these issues uh, because uh, of this... Uh, unpredictable uh, climatic events from one year to another. I can as well mention the heat waves. So just going to stop here. Uh, but uh, well, let me say, let me add something. Uh, the question was, uh, how do I deal uh, with that uh, in terms of research? I have to say that uh, this is a concern for all the researchers, uh, irrespective of the, disciplinar the, 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 the disciplinaries uh, all across the world uh, currently, or obviously, uh, everybody is concerned. And uh, as a physiologist, for example, myself, I will uh, not uh, speak about climate change, but I will try to understand the, for example, the effect and the limit of uh, what we call the abiotic factors on grapevine physiology and functioning and berry composition <coughs> in relationship. I, 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 so, yes. I would like to step in here because um, the, the uh, role I try to play is um, bridging the scientific communication to the practical wine growers communication you said a word like abolic factors ah, oh, yeah w what does this mean can you please explain yeah, it a little yeah, bit? yeah yeah it's a, that's a bit uh, strange what we call uh, abiotic factors uh, or climatic factors and the main uh, abiotic factors uh, which uh, will impact on vine physiology and berry composition and obviously wine styles or wine aromatic profiles are the light, the temperature, the water, the wind as well. And uh, well, we, we, we can talk about these uh, abiotic factors. Uh, what we try to understand is the effect of these abiotic factors and the, the limits uh, of uh, of the, the, the vine functioning in relationship with these abiotic factors. Ab abiotic factors. Uh, let me give you an example. <clears throat> uh, we speak uh, currently, we speak about, for example, heat waves. 
I guess everybody uh, knows what a heat wave is. It's just that for a few days, uh, you will have high temperature, very, very high temperature, like above 35 degrees or even above 40 degrees during few hours or during few days. And the question is, okay, and what is the problem, doctor? I mean, is it a problem for the, the, the vineyards? And if it's a problem, where is the problem? What are the problems? Uh, meaning that uh, heat wave of uh, a few hours uh, across one day will not have the same impact that the heat wave uh, across, let's say, a few days, uh, obviously during the day. Uh, and, and this is what we try to understand is, uh, you know, what we can call the tipping point. At which moment uh, heat wave <clears throat> or at, at each moment, uh, at which level, for example, uh, a water stress uh, starts to be a problem? And what will be the impact of uh, this uh, problem on vine functioning, on berry composition? And obviously, we work in relationship with wine styles or wine aromatic profiles. Because if you stop at the vine or the berry level, uh, the, the, the winemakers, they are not really interested. You have to go up to the wines because the proof is in the glass or in the pudding as you want. <laughs> and so <clears throat> this is what we, we try to, to achieve uh, is to understand the, the, the effect, the limits, the thresholds of those abiotic factors. Uh, voila. So as far as I understand this, uh, you are doing something that is a bit unusual actually for uh, science as, as I know it, because um, in general, science is often concerned with statistical averages, but the things that impact the wine are the extreme, like the, the most heated situations or the frost situations, which is the the furthest away from the average actually actually and these are the the weather and climatic situations that the wine growing community gets afraid of not the average year temperature right yeah so uh speaking about that uh i suppose that we have to differentiate uh, issues which are going to let's say destroy uh, a vineyard like uh, yeah spring frost or ale, etc. And it's obvious that uh, when a uh, vine is physically damaged, obviously you will have problems for the uh, current year, but as well, uh, you will have uh, problems for uh, the other years. Uh, currently, unfortunately in France, in, in most wine regions, there, there is a huge problem of ale, <coughs> you know, <coughs> and uh, I don't know, thousands of hectares uh, have been destroyed. And uh, the problem, it's a problem for this year, but as it's, it's a problem for the next two, three years, uh, because now, you know, uh, uh, it, it will impact on, for example, uh, the, 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 the cane uh, during winter. Uh, will the vines will have enough canes for pruning? Uh, it will impact on the carbohydrate reserves. Uh, because the, the, the leaves have been uh, destroyed and how many leaves will regrow from now onwards, we don't really know. We, we have to, to wait and to see. So uh, the, the big issue is that this kind of uh, 
climatic uh, issues uh, which are destroying the, the vineyards uh, have consequences over two, obviously for the current year when, when it's happening, but for the next two, three years. And that's, that's a, big, uh, a, big, a big concern. And uh, if we speak about uh, water, for example, <clears throat> Uh, if you have, we have to differentiate uh, in the reasoning, for example, we have to differentiate what we call water constraints. I mean, you have water, but little water, and that's enough perhaps for the, the, the vine to grow and to achieve a, a yield, of course, a, a low yield. Uh, but you can, you can be happy with that. And we, in the vineyard or in the, the industry, the wine industry, people used to say that the moderate water constraints, whatever it means, is, is favorable. Uh, the, the problem is when you have a stress. And when you have water stresses, of course, uh, that has to be avoided at all costs because uh, the difference between the water constraints and the water stress is that the water stress is uh, irreversible. You will damage the vine. And then the question is, okay, uh, you can say, well, it's okay because it did happen this year, but next year, perhaps it will be better, who knows? Well, uh, the, the problem here is that uh, if year after year, uh, you move from severe water constraints to water stress regularly each year, you know, you start to damage uh, in the long run, in the long term, the vineyards. And for example, uh, you don't see perhaps it the first year or the second year, but year after year, for example, you will, uh, you will have a problem, a decrease of uh, what we call uh, the fertility, which will impact on the yield. So, uh, you know, if you add all those little problems like uh, water constraints or water stress uh, year after year, uh, after 10, 15 years, uh, you will observe that uh, you, the, the vineyard or the vines uh, are producing half of what they, they used to produce or what is authorized by the appellation, for example. So I say that uh, a vine is like, uh, you know, uh, uh, a boat, a, a, a petrol boat, you know, <laughs> uh, for a petrol boat to stop to, <laughs> uh, to run, it takes 100 kilometers. And uh, when, when you have problems uh, in vineyards, uh, it's important to think uh, in the next 10 years, uh, because uh, uh, problem, the, the addition, uh, the sum of problems uh, will impact on the uh, Perennity. I don't know in English exactly the term, but on, on the sustainability of the, the vineyard. And you will see you, you, the yield will decrease uh, regularly and then voila. So th there, are, there are solutions. Uh, we have tool, uh, tools in the toolbox. But I just wanted to point out the fact that uh, the reasoning is on a yearly basis, but we have to think year after year. You know, the addition of uh, uh, severe water constraints year after year uh, certainly is uh, impacting strongly the sustainability of, of the vines. So then we, we, we can discuss around that. 
Yeah, tools, having tools in the toolbox, this uh, sounds great. And we will definitely talk about this. Um, but before, I would actually like to uh, take a deeper dive into the research paper we are going to talk about. And uh, so grapevine latent butt dormancy and shoot development, this goes right at the beginning of the growing season. So we are talking about the, the very first weeks of the growing season, which impact the, the time frame for every work for every uh, maybe also disorder in the winemaking process to come. And uh, when I read into uh, your paper, I found two words. I think one of them you already described, uh, which is the endodormancy and uh, no, so the, the, the echodormancy and the endodormancy. I, I understand these to be the external and internal factors uh, that butt dormancy relays on. I think weather might be one of the most important external factors. Uh, what else are these uh, factors that you are trying to look at? And why do you actually do this? Does this have to do with uh, predictability of uh, the time frame, or what are you trying to do with your research? Yes, so here uh, there are a few points. Uh, let's start with uh, perhaps uh, a goal of, uh, of what we are trying to do. Uh, we are working on what we call delayed pruning, late pruning, <clears throat> because there are a lot of solutions, you know, to let's say fight against uh, spring frost. Uh, there are many solutions, and one of them, I'm not saying that this is the best, but one of the solution is to delay pruning. And when we started our experimentations uh, a few years ago, uh, the Our goals, were, our goals were to try to understand uh, delayed pruning in relationship with the physiology of the vine. Uh, you have, uh, I have to say that uh, it's important to say right now that there are a lot of uh, works and publications on delayed pruning, so it's not new. And you have fantastic, already fantastic papers from Italy or Australia, etc., on, on this uh, thematic. So that's something which is not new. So we tried to find an angle, uh, and the angle was to try to uh, reason, uh, to understand delayed pruning uh, according to the phenological stages. And we said, okay, what uh, is happening when you prune during uh, endodormancy? Uh, what is happening when you prune during echodormancy? And during echodormancy, which is both are uh, uh, pre but break, when you prune during echodormancy, uh, you have what we call a particular stage, which is, uh, we call it grapevine bleeding, uh, meaning when you prune, you see subflow going out of the case. Yes. Uh, and this is due to the fact that the, the root uh, the root started to function again, uh, which is necessary for the break. And this is, so uh, to summarize, endodormancy, echodormancy. During echodormancy, you have a grapevine bleeding period. Then you have bud break. And uh, uh, obviously, we try to see how far we can go with delayed pruning uh, post bud break. Okay. okay, so so to summarize what I understand, you, you try it and you, you cut. So pruning obviously means to cut, but I don't know if everyone is uh, familiar in English who's listening. 
you you cut the vines at different times. Uh, usually, we are used to doing this right in the middle of winter, and when you cut uh, the vine, it's very dry because there's no uh, the, the juices are not uh, up going up and down in the vine. So the later the later in the year you uh, cut it, um, the the grape starts bleeding, which means the water gets pressed out, which shows that the uh, whole plant is actually active again. Now you said um, you talk about pruning during echo dormancy and endodormancy. Um, I have read your paper, so I have an idea about what you are talking about. Can you please define those terms for uh, general winemakers so that they understand the difference yeah. between sure. echo and endodormancy? What does this mean? Sure. Uh, uh, endodormancy is the real winter dormancy, meaning that the latent buds, uh, which are on the canes, and which uh, bear the next year uh, yield uh, because inside you have a small shoot with some uh, uh, future inflorescences okay so and, and and this is why we prune we prune to regulate the yield per vine uh, to fix the number of latent birds per vine voilà this is the this is what pruning is uh, is about. So, endodormancy uh, is really the deep dormancy, and to release this dormancy, uh, a vine will need to spend uh, a certain period. Uh, we generally we say two hundred hours, which is let's say ten days to say something, at a temperature around eight or uh, below eight degree. Okay. So if uh, a vine, uh, if a vineyard uh, uh, reach uh, this uh, sum of temperature, uh, 200 hours at eight or below eight degrees, uh, we can say that the uh, endodormancy, the deep dormancy is released. Meaning that any time now from this moment, uh, a, a vine, uh, is able to grow again. And for example, in the south of France, in my region, in Montpellier, uh, normally end of December, the endodormancy is released. In other regions, it can be earlier because it's, the temperature are lower earlier, or it can be later in, uh, in other regions. Anyway, uh, generally speaking, the endodormancy is released by end of December. And then now we are uh, in the phase of uh, echodormancy. So what does Wait, it mean? I, I think I, I, I have to interrupt again. Um, yes. Did you say end of the summer or end of December? I say end of December. Okay, okay. So The month December. Yes, yes, okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, let's say before Christmas. Yeah, that's... that's... So it's, it's That's a gift good. from yes. Father Christmas, which is telling to people now endodormancy is released because I brought to you a negative or a low temperature. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> so let's say before Christmas, uh, Christmas time or before New Year. So, uh, and in, in Australia, after New Year, you have, uh, I, I think it's after New Year or Christmas, I don't remember, you have what they call the Boxing Day. You know, meaning that uh, it's, a, it's a tradition, it's a sort of tradition. Uh, they call it a boxing day. Anyway, so uh, <clears throat> uh, 
by the end of December, which is the, the, the month December, and the endodermal seal is freeze. So it means that the, the buds are ready to grow. But now to grow, they need now a positive temperature, temperatures above 15 degrees in the air. Okay, so, and they need uh, in the first place for the soil to uh, increase its temperature above 15 degrees. Okay. So when the endormancy gets released, the plant is generally ready to start growing yeah. and then just yeah. sits and waits until the, uh, right. the conditions get right. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. How, how long could it stay in this uh, in-between period? Is there like a limit? Oh, uh, I'm, I am not sure that there are limits, but uh, in our climate, generally speaking, for example, in the south, uh, the beginning of bud break is uh, around the 1st of April. So uh, it's uh, so from uh, Janvier, February, Mars, April. So from. Uh, so it's four from, months uh, between endo. Three, three, to, three to four months. Okay. Three to four months. Because sometimes uh, bud break can be uh, in March as well. It depends on the climate. And this is a, an interesting question because uh, if the climate is cool, then it will take a, a, a longer time to reach these positive uh, temperatures in the soil or in the air above 15 degrees. Uh, so then you will need a longer period after December, after the end of December for the vine to start to grow. While if you are in a warm uh, region, uh, you will reach perhaps earlier these uh, positive temperatures in the soil and in the air. And then uh, you will uh, start, uh, the vine will start to grow again. We call it bud break uh, earlier. Uh, so a vine can stay, as you said, uh, two to four months in this uh, eco-dormancy uh, uh, stages. But what is, what, what is really important is that uh, really uh, for the, the, the bud to start to grow, you, the, the, the very important uh, first stage is for the root to function again, to pump water, okay, to bring water to the, the buds for the buds to be able to develop. So the first stage is really uh, linked to soil. And this is extremely important because we spoke about climate change. It means that you need water in the soil, okay, uh, for uh, a vine to restart to grow. And this is uh, how this is linked to climate change. Uh, if you have little, little rainfall during winter, if the soil water content is not, uh, I will say to make it very simple, full again, if you have a deficiency of soil water content at bud break, that can be really dramatic. Uh, that can be a big issue, I will say, uh, for bud break and for the, for the yield. Uh, because uh, from bud break to flowering, uh, the primary shoot which will grow will uh, form the inflorescences and the flowers and after you have fecundations, flower fecundations, and then uh, you start uh, to have uh, uh, decent uh, future fruits, which will grow. So 
uh, one of the issues uh, in, in, in uh, many Mediterranean climate is, uh, the, and that we observe now more and more, <coughs> is uh, a deficiency of uh, soil water content at bud break. So and, would, would uh, this also, uh, so, no, we talk about the time of bud break or do we talk about the time of uh, released endodormancy where the water actually is lacking? Uh, for uh, endodormancy, the endodormancy yes. is really during winter, okay? And uh, during endodormancy, uh, the, the, the water is not the problem because uh, the, the vine is, uh, is uh, sleeping, <laughs> okay? And, uh, but, and but you you said the 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 time the, the point when the end endodormancy gets uh, released like yeah. uh, end of December um, at that time the water needs to be available in the ground or just later when the bud break starts later when the La okay, okay 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 yeah. so we are talking yeah. about the end of echodormancy with that's this. right. Okay, that's good. Right. Now, now, now you get that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are absolutely right. Yeah, uh, and and to to refill uh, the soil water content, uh, this is something which uh, will be achieved. Uh, I'm speaking in uh, in a Mediterranean Mediterranean climate, but not only. That's something which will be achieved progressively from November to the uh, break. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you don't have, uh, for example, just as an example to speak uh, you know, a bit uh, or to illustrate, uh, we, uh, uh, if the, 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 the soil water content is not refilled in December, that's not a big issue. It's very important for the soil water content to be refilled uh, up to a point before the break. So for example, before the 1st of April in our region. Okay, so on one side, we have the soil water content uh, before bud break, so around the end of uh, equidormancy timeframe. Uh, what other factors are actually um, important for that? So what else do you track? Is it all just about water or do you also track like the harmonic level in the, the plant or what are the, the factors for the uh, latent bud dormancy or the shoot development actually? Do they all just relay on, on water, on temperature, or is there anything else going on? Well, they uh, rely on break, and uh, the, from bud break onwards, you have the, the, the growth of the primary shoots, which, uh, which bear the, the, the crop, the future crop, which has to be formed or differentiated. And uh, I have to say that... Uh, Uh, to make a long story short, uh, the, the vines uh, really rely on temperature and, and water and nitrogen. Uh, now, obviously, uh, inside the vine, you have a complex story of hormones, but this story is a bit complex, so we are not really working on that one. But for example, we know that during winter in the bud, you have uh, what we call, uh, we have an hormone which is called uh, acid abscisic or abscisic acid in English, and uh, which is a sort of inhibitor of growth. And because uh, the, well, uh, this is one of the reasons why water is important at the, at the, at the bud level before bud break, is uh, that it's a way to decrease this concentration of, uh, of this hormone. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then uh, when the, the, the level of this hormone is, uh, is uh, compatible with the uh, break, with uh, the, 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 the development of the meristems, because at the end of the day, it's a story about meristems. The meristem is the apical part of the future shoot, uh, which is going to form uh, new organs. So uh, it's obviously more uh, complex than uh, water and the temperature, but what we are looking after is the, uh, the, the main factors. For example, if you don't have water and if you don't have the right temperature, I mean, it's uh, not necessary to, to speak about hormones because nothing will function, so we don't really care. Uh, so those factors are uh, really important. And then after the, the vine is doing its, its job, which is a complex story. But something uh, which is uh, important and that we are looking after, which is not easy, is the carbohydrate reserves. Because, you know, from bud break... Can, can, you, repeat the, can you repeat the word? I didn't get it. Carbohydrate reserves. Ah, carbohydrate reserves. The sugar, okay. sugar. Yes, sugar. yes. Okay. So you need energy. And uh, the year uh, before bud break, uh, in the roots, in the trunk, in the canes, the, the vines did store sugars. And uh, we, we call it carbohydrate reserves. And uh, it's very important because from bud break to flooring uh, the next year, uh, a vine, uh, the vines will need uh, these uh, sugars to grow because the leaves are too young to be source of, uh, of sugar. They will start to produce sugar uh, from flowering onwards. Uh, so uh, a vine will rely on its uh, sugar reserve. So uh, as long as there's no photosynthesis going on, it needs the sugar reserve to yes. start to kickstart itself in the next year. And, 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 and more than that, to, to start and to grow from bud break to flowering. Ah, you know, oh. it, uh, yes, yes, yes. So, so it's 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 quite a, uh, it's a it's a period of uh, uh, say two months. So uh, during two months uh, and before the new leaves uh, become adult to be able to 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 do to. to Uh, so the the, the uh, main time when the leaves actually produce energy is when they are quite big. It's when yeah, they are when ad- they are okay. adult. Oh, I when, didn't know and, this. And, and this is happening around flowering. <coughs> okay. It's okay. around flowering. Okay. Uh, so uh, during uh, quite a few weeks, uh, a vine will need uh, its reserve to grow the future uh, shoots and and <coughs> sorry to form to form the the inflorescences and the flowers and uh, which are part of the yield component. So uh, apart water and temperature, <clears throat> uh, you, need, uh, you need the carbohydrate, the sugar reserves. And the sugar reserves uh, have been refilled the year before. Mm-hmm. So this is why, you know, when we speak about grapevine yield, it's a two years story. It's not a one year story. It's a two year story. So <clears throat> first year, Uh, the, during the first year, the, the vine is building the latent buds. Inside the latent bud, the, the vine is uh, uh, differentiating, forming the future inflorescences. 
then uh, from uh, let's say ripening onwards so uh, so a bit pre-harvest and uh, post-harvest uh, the, the leaves will uh, do sugar will will make some sugar uh, to refill the carbohydrate or the sugar reserves uh, so the message is that uh, don't don't prune while the, the while the plant still has its leaves on, right? That's right. Because I, I right. still see people that's doing right. this. It's it's not right. so widespread anymore, but there are people who right after harvest start and cut everything. That uh, that's, uh, that that could be a huge mistake. Okay. Voilà. Uh, voilà. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's good to know because um, I I have heard these topics when I studied uh, wine uh, international wine business at Geisenheim. So um, I, I've been informed about these topics, but uh, I also did an apprenticeship as winemaker before, so uh, not in the university. And many of the things we are talking about here today uh, have not been part of this apprenticeship. So also, uh, I think we will go into the topic of gentle pruning. And uh, I would also take a look at the delayed pruning um, experiments that you people can also look at this on, on YouTube. It's quite interesting what you do there. Um, but uh, these these topics, I, I don't really remember them from my apprenticeship. Yeah. So uh, there are there's a huge part of the wine growing community that is not academically educated, that has not heard about these things. It's it's quite quite hard to to uh, yeah. to to stomach that, but it is true, and this is what's going on in the vineyards. So um, my my question uh, from now, um, you said okay. So the the the, the main factors obviously are uh, water, its temperature, and it's the the carbohydrate reserve that got built up the year before. Um, when we look at these factors alone, can we say something like Uh, 10% shortage of water equals a 10% uh, decrease in bud burst rate or in shoot development rate. Is there a correlation that we can actually see? Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a very interesting question because, uh, and it's a, a bit of a complicated one. <laughs> so uh, <Sure. laughs> we, we, I will try to, to answer. Um, What we saw and what you will find, or what people will find in the publications is that the, the, the relationship is not a direct one. So you cannot say, uh, ten, for example, if the uh, refill of the soil is uh, 100%, we speak about a, a soil with full water. And we just for the, uh, the discussion, we say, okay, full water is 100%. So uh, can we say that if, Uh, we move from 100% to 80% of water, uh, we will have a decrease in uh, bud break. The answer is no. Uh, it's not working like that. But as we spoke previously about thresholds of uh, temperature, light, etc., there is a threshold here, which uh, has been shown, which is when uh, the soil water content uh, is below uh, 50%, in theory, okay, then you start to impact uh, the regularity of bud break. 
So, so to take away like practical ideas, if I as a wine grower check the water content of my soil and it yeah. gets to 50%, I can check this. This is not, not so yeah. difficult. Then That's I right. should be concerned and then I might want to add water. Yes, uh, uh, because, uh, for example, depending on the soil and, and the root system and the functioning of the root system and, and the region, the climate extra and the variety, uh, it's not a, a one dimension uh, parameter and uh, discussion. So according to uh, all those uh, parameters, uh, it can vary. But uh, if we have to alert, if we have to say something, because sometimes we have to give some recommendations or some tricks, you know. So if I have to, to give a tricks, I will say, okay, uh, if the soil water content is around 50%, uh, just look at the vines. And if you see that you start to have uh, some uh, problems in terms of heterogeneity of bud break, uh, or if you see that the speed of the growth of the, the shoots. Heterogeneity in this point means heterogeneity. that, that they, they, they start development in very different times, right? So that's you have right. That's the, right. the neighboring plants can be yes. weeks away from each other. Or... That's right. That's, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it means that, for example, you on, on, a, on, a, on a cordon, uh, on spurs, you will have one spurs with... Uh, primary shoots with three leaves on the other one five on the other one perhaps uh, uh, but break did not start so you know it's heterogeneity okay so. and heterogeneity is not really uh, uh, good uh, because that will create uh, heterogeneity all across uh, phenological stages well it depends but let's say that if uh, we can avoid it heterogeneity is better Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's always an issue. I'm saying if we can avoid it's better. So <clears throat> the, the, the trick about the soil water content is uh, that one. Uh, and uh, it's well known that uh, in dry land uh, and many currently in some dry land, <coughs> because of rainfall deficiency uh, during winter and because they have no irrigation, they cannot add water. Uh, a lot of uh, wineries or growers, they uh, started to observe problem with uh, bud break. Uh, even you can have an inhibition of bud break, so you have less shoots. So, and, 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 and then uh, this will continue with the issues of uh, primary shoot developments. Then this will continue with issues of uh, inflorescence uh, formation. So you will impact on the on the yield component and on, on, on the yield, uh, <clears throat> but this is something which uh, has been uh, observed now in uh, in dry land. I will say since many years, it's not really new, but uh, if uh, you are in a dry land and if you cannot irrigate, uh, then you have here an, an issue. Okay, I think I could follow you. So the, the, the takeaways, I mean, we, we talked about tools in our toolbox, the ones that I already understood where never prune before the plants loses its leaves. Yes. And then if the soil humidity drops below 50%, get really concerned <laughs> and maybe add some water. Uh, then you you talked about the topic of gentle pruning. Maybe you can uh, introduce us a little bit uh, to this. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, what we call, uh, I'm trying to find a, a sort of pedagogical way to uh, explain it, but uh, you know, pruning is a mutilating operation for a vine. Sure. Because you are creating wounds, scars, scars, you know. So you are hurting the vine, and uh, something which is not new because <clears throat> you know, uh, by the past, uh, the, the the 19th century, even in the 19th century, uh, people knew that uh, you have to prune in a specific way to avoid uh, to create. Uh, too many uh, wounds, okay? Because if you create the wounds, uh, the wounds will create uh, desiccation cones in the in the wood of the arms or the spur, and this will interrupt the sap flow. Yeah. So, so I, I, I yeah. visited uh, Bordeaux earlier this year and did yeah. an interview series. And I, I yeah. talked to one winemaker, David Ciozar, and his brother from the Ciozar winery. And um, I asked them about the pruning method in Bordeaux because they are like these T-shaped uh, plants. And uh, with us in Germany, we, we rather have a round head. We, we cut them in a round head. It's quite similar, but um, so the shape is a little bit different. And um, they explained to me, like, if you cut the wood, the old wood, um, it dries out. So it, di it dies and it goes like up to 10 to 12 centimeters. He said like up to three times the diameter of the wound, it goes into the plant. And this, for example, this was new to me. I didn't know about this. And then I figured, okay, if we in Germany, we, we cut them like in this round shape, We actually, yeah. we interrupt the the um, fluid flow in the plant much more than we intend to, right? That's right. Okay. That's right. So th this is a perfect explanation. Uh, and, uh, okay, now the question is, uh, what, when, when you speak about, uh, you, 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 you spoke about uh, can pruning, uh, pruning for, and, and with this head, you spoke about this head. Uh, which is a willow head uh, that is formed uh, when uh, people are uh, doing can pruning. And this is one way of doing. Uh, and the other way of doing is uh, not to form a willow head, as you saw in uh, Bordeaux. Uh, it's not easy to explain without uh, photos here. But anyway, uh, there are two ways of doing. And, uh, um, you know, again, it's a, it's a, it's a question of, Uh, it's a question of considering everything when we give a recommendation, okay? Uh, if, uh, and, and again, you are right, if you do a willow head, a head, uh, obviously uh, you will year after year, after 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you will have, uh, the vines will experience problems of subflow conduction and you will jeopardize the longevity of your vineyard, okay? Certainly. So, for example, instead of having uh, vines which will last 50 years, if you want to, okay, it depends on the, your strategy of uh, production and uh, of vineyard renewing. Yeah, But sure. if you want to have uh, old vines, uh, if you do uh, the head, uh, if you prune with the head, as, as, uh, as you said, 
there are good chances that uh, the vines will die uh, after 30 years, 40 years. But as well, you can observe uh, in some vineyards uh, old vines with with a head. So it's not you know one dimension uh, stuff like uh, if you if you do a head, uh, you will use all, all your vines. No, uh, if you want to uh, get more sustainability, if you want to get old vines. If you want to get more homogeneous vineyards, which is uh, up to a point interesting for quality as well, for wine styles, uh, it's better to do gentle pruning. But you know, it's like uh, we say the, the double faces of a coin, okay? So you have the positive uh, aspects of it, uh, which is, as, I, as, as we said, uh, to avoid to create too many wounds, so to to avoid uh, to uh, interrupt the sap flow by creating uh, too uh, much dead wood. This is the target to, to, to avoid to create too much dead wood within the arm, within the spur, within the head. That's the target. For that, you apply the methods of uh, gentle pruning. Okay. Uh, but, uh, and, and that's the positive uh, side of the story. But then the negative side of the story is that by doing that, <clears throat> uh, you will uh, perhaps uh, favorize the development of the buds from the crown, from the crown, you know, from the wood. So you will have to go in the vineyard to remove before flowering these uh, growing shoots. Uh, we call it, uh, let's say, call it suckers, if you want in English, but it's not the real term, but okay. So uh, basically are, the, the wood is too fertile sometimes. That, that's right. That's okay. right. Mm -hmm. And that's right. So, so uh, it depends on the varieties, the region, the, the etc. But but yeah. yes. Uh, and, and then you will have to go in the vineyard, well, the growers will have to go in the vineyard to remove those uh, suckers, etc. And, and it's time consuming and, and it's, it's costing money. Uh, and people are telling you now, but we don't have the workers to do that. So, so and, and we don't want suckers. So uh, you see, so uh, it's important to listen to people and it's important to understand that gentle pruning, uh, you have a lot of positive advantages but you still have, uh, you have some as well, uh, Issues like uh, which is which are mainly linked to cost because you have to go in the vineyard to remove the suckers to to make a long story short. Uh, but in the long run, it's a win-to-win -win, uh, situation because uh, you will spend less time to prune because if everything is well organized in, in a vine, the 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 workers will will go a bit faster. Uh, so. Uh, I, I will say it's important to explain to growers uh, the advantages and then to let them uh, to choose if they want to use it, to apply it or not. Uh, you understand what I mean? It's in, in your experience, if, um, if I change to a more gentle way of pruning, so cutting less close to the fertile head of the, of the wine, um, is there a possibility to rejuvenile a vineyard or can I only do this with a new one actually? 
Yeah. yeah. Um, if uh, the best uh, the best method, as you can imagine, is uh, to start to do it properly from a young plantation, which is to install the, the cordon or the cane pruning from uh, the beginning, uh, after two or three years of uh, two or three years after the plantation, and then and and it's easier because. Uh, Oh, it's, it's not complex to do. Uh, well, it depends on the vigor of the site and uh, the vigor of the light. But let's say that's the best way to do it. And then if you do it from the beginning, uh, it's not painful <laughs> because, uh, because uh, and, and, and the growers will learn that after they, they will uh, get a lot of advantages. Now, if you want to uh, do it on the, on the, on the old vineyards, let's say after 15 years or 20 years after plantation. And if you want to uh, restart to prune uh, in the gentle way, uh, that will take at least uh, three years to, uh, to get everything right. And in some situation, it will be difficult to get everything right again. But one way uh, of doing of doing it is to rejuvenile the. To, 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 for example, if we go for uh, the cane pruning with the head, uh, one possibility. But you have to think it's interesting. It's important to think that something it will take five years to achieve that. Okay, so below the uh, head, if you have some suckers, you let them growing. Uh, during one, two years. Well, let's say two, two years, okay? And then uh, with this one or two suckers which are growing uh, below the head, which are not fertile the first year and perhaps the second year because they are coming from the, they are birds from the wood, the old wood. With these uh, new canes, you start to install you know, the, the, the new cane pruning, okay? And ah, then you wait. Yeah, okay, yes, I understand, yes, I understand. Yeah. So and, be, and then below, the, below the yes, current head, yes, I, I actually yes. create a new fertile yes. area. On, okay. on the subflow, on the subflow. Mm -hmm. and, and then you, you, you install your new uh, cane pruning, like uh, La Taimedo cane, for example, in Bordeaux. And, and then you don't cut the head. Immediately because you, this you, would directly cause the same voila, problem again. Voila, voila. Okay, so you wait. I, uh, I cut the head, yeah, the new. Yeah, yeah. The, voila, okay, voila, okay, I, I get voila. it. I get it. So you you have to to wait for the the new system to be strong to cut the end. <laughs> so it takes five years. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a bit of uh, uh, you, you need a bit of uh, technical knowledge to do that, if I may say. And uh, yeah, so there are some uh, uh, not recipes but recommendations to do it properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, that, but that, the, the the good thing for you to know is um, the main time when this uh, podcast gets consumed is during the pruning season because everybody's in the vineyard, and so uh, there's a big chance that some people are listening to this in the 2022 to 2023 pruning season. So maybe go ahead and just try it immediately uh, what you hear about here. 
Um, yeah, I, I would like to to touch some more topics because um, in the abstract of your uh, research paper, you um, touch on some chemicals that can be used that are at least I would say polariz polarizing. Some are also prohibited, um, such as hydrogen cyanamide or sodium acide. What's going on with that? I, I think I've heard about uh, these chemicals before. I've never seen yeah. them in use, yeah. actually. Uh, yeah. What are you talking about there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, 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 so, so a uh, few minutes ago, we spoke about the uh, heterogeneity of bud break. Okay. And uh, those days, I will say many years ago, uh, growers in some vineyards uh, use. Uh, these products to try to homogenize the outbreak. Okay. And uh, I have to say that it, it, it was working, uh, obviously, but those uh, products are quite dangerous for the environment. And so now uh, these products are uh, forbidden in Europe. And I know that they are still used in some uh, wine regions. Bon, voilà. Uh, I mean, uh, but in Europe, it's forbidden, and and, and obviously, uh, it's right because it's dangerous. But it was used to uh, homogenize. In, in, what, in what sense is it dangerous? Because it's a, it's a product which is toxic for uh, microflora of the soil for people. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a toxic product. So we could say it's a quick fix for people who are not good gardeners in the vineyards. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's better not to use. My recommendation is to avoid <laughs> to use any products in, in the vineyard. Uh, yeah, so, but that's another another discussion. No, it, it, it's really toxic. So, uh, and, and you know that uh, currently we are, I mean, everybody is concerned by the life of the soil, whatever it means, because it's complex, okay? If we start to speak about the, the life of the soil, it's, it's quite complex. But, uh, but it's important because, uh, Perhaps what I'm going to say now will uh, perhaps upset some people, uh, but I will say it. Okay. Uh, you don't, yeah, I will say it, okay, uh, just to have fun. Uh, we, we, I, 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 I am strongly uh, convinced that you don't make great wines in dry and poor soil, okay? So you need a bit of respect of the soil. You need a live soil, whatever it means, because you have some techniques or methods to measure it, but you need proper soil to grow proper vine. Uh, if you have uh, dry and dead soil, uh, you will, and, and uh, you, <laughs> I mean, the vines will experience a lot of problems in terms of root system, okay? And this will impact on the, on the growth, etc. So it's a very important point because uh, currently, uh, in vineyards, in some vineyards, you have problems like a decrease in yield, like heterogeneity, etc., etc. And growers are saying, "Oh, but this is due to climate change." No, 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 no. This is due to uh, uh, the fact that the soil is dead, okay? And this is due to the fact that they don't prune properly. Mm. So. You know, we have to care because the, the, it's, it's easy to say it's because of climate change, but there are a lot of problems which are coming from wrong practices, irrespective of the climate.
Hmm. So um, some weeks before, I've been to an exhibition where they showed um, different machinery for vineyards. And uh, I was thinking to myself, like everything I learned about the soil is that the um, there are like many types of uh, many types of fungi, many types of bacteria, and most of these are very very sensible to ultraviolet light. They are very sensible to uh, oxygen. This is why they are in the soil, not above the soil. And uh, yet I see these machines, they have like knives, 30, 50 centimeters long knives, and we cut the soil open with it. We expose all of these uh, living creatures to exactly ultraviolet light and oxygen. And then we say, oh, it's not working and we have to put more fertilizer or what else on the soil. <laughs> and to me, like to me personally, this is a sign of not understanding what you're actually doing that's right and, but and, but this is yeah. this this is the 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 standard way of of uh, any any uh, fruit production i mean we're not just talking about vineyards i think in vineyards it's it's not as bad as it is in in general food production right, right. But, yeah so, so this is this is very important because uh Diego, it's very important because uh, speaking about uh, vineyard management, <clears throat> uh, we, I mean, I, I suppose everybody knows that, but uh, it's important to uh, remind uh, to growers, and, and that's a discussion. I mean, uh, I'm not uh, trying to give uh, lessons to people, uh, but it's important to understand that we have, uh, or the growers, uh, uh, vineyard managers, etc., they have to reason in an integrated way. Uh, not Maybe. just saying integrated way, meaning no. that they have to consider a vine in its environment and not to apply recipes. For example, if I have a problem, I will irrigate. If I have a problem, I will add a product. If I have a problem, I will uh, plow, for example, or work. The no, it's the, uh, we, the, the, the reasoning, the, 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 well, I propose uh, that a lot of people are doing it, but the, the reasoning is to consider the three compartments, is to care about the soil. If you care about the soil, you care about the root system. The importance for vine functioning of the root system, it's not really well known, but we know that it's important. And if the soil is well, uh, if you have a, uh, in the soil the right ratio between uh, air, oxygen, and, and water, you will favorize the development of what we call the fine roots, which is an annual uh, root uh, system. Each year, I, I, I have heard about this for the first time now. The the uh, fine roots. Fine roots. Okay. What what is it? Small roots. Each year, if everything is fine in the soil, uh, and it's a way for me to evaluate if the soil is healthy, whatever it needs. Okay, uh, because it's complex, but. Uh, what we did observe is uh, you have a better vine functioning when in the root uh, when the root system is able each year to uh, grow new small roots. Yes, we call it fine roots. They are small, and when you you do a soil profile to to look at the root system, you can ah, do it as fine well. fine roots. Fine fine. Small, yes. Okay. Small. Now 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 now. They are small yeah. and 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 white. So yes, you yes. can observe them because if you do a soil profile, 
if you uh, look at the wood system at flowing, which is okay, uh, well, uh, you dig and you look and, and uh, at, at the roots and you will see if you have uh, lot of uh, white uh, new roots or not, etc., et, et, et uh, which is a good sign of uh, the health of the soil. And it's very important because those uh, fine roots are very active. They, are, they, they do contribute to water pumping, mineral pumping, etc. So they are, they are quite important. So uh, again, it's uh, so, so the, 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 the soil uh, life matter, the soil, the health of the soil matter, the organic matter in, 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 the, in the soil uh, is important. The, 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 the root system is important in terms of morphology and functioning. And if this is fixed, uh, you can avoid a, a, a lot of problems above ground. Because sometimes, uh, you know, it's like with gentle pruning, uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes some problems uh, can be sorted out just because everything is fine uh, at the soil level. Uh, so you understand what I mean? I mean, if the soil is not correct, you will, you will, and if you don't care about the soil and the wood system, you will always try to sort out the, 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 the problem uh, playing with a canopy, with whatever you want. Uh, or perhaps all the solution is just to, to play with the soil and not with the canopy or with the vine, uh, applying, I don't know, products or whatever you want, or minerals on, on leaves or stuff like that. I don't know if I'm, I'm very clear, but so the first compartment, which is the soil uh, and which is important for the, the root functioning, okay, uh, is has to be considered. And then the plant is the, the second compartment. And uh, at the plant level, you have to, of course, consider the leaves and you have to consider the fruits. Uh, these are two compartments. And the atmosphere is as well important. Uh, it's just a climate, <laughs> okay? It's a, the atmosphere is about uh, evapotranspiration, is about uh, temperature, is about light, etc., and And wind. Uh, so yeah, and also the winemaker who is interrupting everything in its natural flow. <laughs> to say anything on that one, <clears throat> because I will upset. Uh, uh, you know, let, let's let, let's make a joke now. But it's not a joke. Okay, we are we are we are there with winemakers, which I respect. <laughs> but uh, you know, just speaking about berry testing. Berry testing is something which is important. Okay, and. Uh, if you are strong at berry testing, you can decide on an other date, no problem. But uh, what I'm uh, telling to my students, uh, just for them to think a bit, I say, okay, berry testing is fantastic. It's, it's a bit relative, okay, but it's fantastic. It's working well. And, and, and in any way, some winemakers or growers, they are very strong with berry testing, okay? And, but, okay, let's think a bit. I say, do you know how many berries do you have uh, per, uh, per, per, on one hectare of, of, of a vineyard. Uh, okay, and we'll answer that. And then I told them, okay, uh, okay, guys, uh, how many berries are you going to test? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to test perhaps five, 10, 12. I say, okay, you all. So you did test 12 berries and you take a decision on, on harvest. Say, yes, okay, no problem. But do you know how many berries do you have? Uh, per one hectare. So you that's like 0. 0.000 whatever percent that I tasted. Uh, exactly. It's between <laughs> okay. six to 10 millions. 
So I say, guys, you have tested 12 berries. You take a decision on an harvest date. <laughs> so 12 berries among 6 million. Okay, that's fine. It's okay, but just, you know, is to, uh, to, to make a bit things uh, relative. <laughs> this is, uh, that was just uh, some, uh, some uh, no, it's not really a joke, but it's a bit apart, you know. Uh, sometimes it's important to, to calculate and to measure, uh, to, just to, 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 to understand exactly what we are doing. Uh, so berry testing is working, it's no problem. But you have to know that you are testing 12 berries among 6 millions. Okay, <laughs> that's it. So uh, we have to eat more berries. That's, that's the conclusion. It's, of it. it's working with 12. It's okay. <laughs> so, Alain, I want to go into two more topics. On your YouTube channel, I saw um, a video um, series about delayed pruning. I think it was in a Shiraz winery where you... Uh, pruned uh, during the endodormancy phase, but you also pruned during uh, after the, the echodormancy, like the meaning when the plants were already growing and you have uh, yielded some very different uh, results in the um, ripeness of the plant actually. And uh, maybe this might be also a way to uh, change the ripeness of the berries because for us in Germany this year, uh, plants are growing so fast. Like everybody expects a very, very early harvest, meaning the, the difficulties with high temperatures during harvest, everything that's going on with that. So uh, please uh, do us a favor and explain a little bit about the concept of uh, really delayed uh, pruning. Yes, uh, it's, uh, first of all, I, I want to mention that it's a topic which uh, is not uh, new and we are not the only working on this topic because as I said at the beginning of the interview, uh, you have uh, a lot of uh, colleagues uh, in Italy or Australia, for example, who are working on this topic. So I just want to say that uh, growers or winemakers uh, can find <clears throat> a lot of uh, publications on this topic. So uh, we uh, try to use, uh, or when I say we, uh, the, the professionals, Uh, can be interested to use uh, uh, delayed pruning or late pruning for two reasons. The first one, it's because they want to delay uh, bud break to avoid uh, spring frost. Okay. And the, the second reason, uh, as you mentioned, is because they want to delay all the phenological stages, including ripening. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, to share our results uh, and uh, perhaps to, to give a bit of uh, some recipes somewhere. Let's speak about the first uh, goal, which is to delay bud break. If you want to delay bud break uh, by pruning late but pre bud break, so during endodormancy or codormancy, We saw that if you prune during endodormancy, you don't delay anything. This is classical. And if you prune during echodormancy before grapevine bleeding, you don't delay anything. So you have, if you want to delay bud break, uh, and if you want to prune before bud break, you have to prune during grapevine bleeding, the grapevine bleeding period. And then you will delay bud break for five to six days. So there are many questions uh, 
with that, which is first, how do I know that uh, bleeding will start? Okay. How long do I have uh, to prune during bleeding? Yeah, how long will bleeding uh, uh, be in terms of uh, number of days? And that's something uh, which is not sorted out because uh, currently we don't know how to uh, predict bleeding. And we don't really know how long uh, bleeding will last before but break. So, yeah, but, but if I, let, let me step in, um, I uh, this method is extremely useful on uh, areas that are frost exposed. Not all vineyards have the same amount of frost problems. That's right. So, if I cut the other vineyards that are not frost exposed, and I see yeah. that they start bleeding. I know yeah. when when to start this in my frost exposed areas. So this right. is not. I, I I don't need a, a, a like a complicated system to calculate this. I just I, I change the 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 um, the yes. uh, range in uh, not the range the ah, I'm missing the word uh, the in German Reihenfolge. <laughs> you speak German. La la pluie. Um, yeah, the uh, man, like, uh, I don't care. People understand it. So if, if you cut <laughs> your, your frost uh, vineyards later, <laughs> you know when the right time comes from watching at the vineyards that you already cut. Well, that's right. So, so, so the, 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 uh, if you have a small surface to prune, because... Uh, Uh, you need a certain number of days to prune one hectare. So if you have a small uh, area to prune surface, uh, then obviously uh, to watch when uh, bleeding is happening, looking at the uh, surrounding vines is, is, is the best solution, observation, as you say. Uh, and, and, and it's working because people are using this uh, since many years, it's, it's, it's not really, really new. The first experimentation on uh, delayed pruning was done at Montpellier in 1912 by Ravaz. So it's uh, the, the early uh, 20th century, uh, the, the first publication on delayed pruning. So it's, it's not really new. So I, I will say the growers, they, they, as you said, they know, they know what to do and, and when to do it. But uh, the point is that if you want really to delay but break by a few days, you have to prune during uh, uh, revine bleeding because uh, before it, it, it won't help. Okay. And then after the, the, the question is about what will happen if I prune uh, pre but break. Okay. So you look at the uh, vines around the area you want to, to prune late and you observe but break. And then you can use that, as you said, as a control to start to prune uh, pre bud break. The question with uh, pre bud break pruning is that if, and I will give a sort of trick again, uh, I, I, we, we saw on Chiroaz in our climate that uh, Uh, so first of all, what do we call uh, uh, post bud break pruning? Uh, post bud break pruning is when uh, we have uh, on the vines around, as you said, it's, it's uh, as a control. When we see that we have 10% of bud break, 
Okay, then we say, okay, got break started, and 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 we 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 can start to we can start to to prune the non pruned vines. Okay, so for that we saw that uh, if you want just to delay bud uh, break, uh, you have something like six to eight days before ten percent of bud break. Okay, to uh, prune, uh, and then you will delay. Uh, but break by at least uh, more than 10 days, which is uh, now interesting uh, because of spring frost. I, I have to uh, ask something yes. again. When yeah. we talk about 10%, do we talk about one out of 10 vines or do we talk about one out of 10 buds? One out of 10 buds. So in one vine, it might be that one bud already starts to break and one is still yeah. dormant. That's right. We are not looking at different vines. We are looking, no. looking at buds. Okay, good. Yeah, buds, buds. Yeah. Uh, buds across vines, yeah. 10% of uh, develop, uh, developed uh, buds uh, across vines, meaning 90% of non-developed uh, buds. Yeah. yeah, okay. And this is for us a starting point of bud break. We say, okay, but break started because we have 10% of develop, uh, developed uh, buds, okay? And then uh, uh, after uh, this 10% of bud break, if you start to prune the non-prune uh, vines, so you have long canes which uh, have not been pruned, so you prune. And uh, uh, we saw that you have six to eight days to do it before uh, the 10% of bud break, so post bud break. To delay but break without delaying the other phenological stages. That's one goal, okay? And uh, so I can... just delay the the frost. This is if I just have a frost problem, and but I want the 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 same ripeness time as yes, usual. So all the all the other phenological stages will be this will be the same. Okay, so six to twelve days before the ten percent but break point, right? Yes. Oh. Uh, a, a bit less. Uh, six to, to eight days. Six to eight days before uh, I reach 10% butt break, I can prune. When, when, you, when you reach 10% butt break yeah. on the other vines, you can start to prune the vines which are not pruned. Ah, okay, okay, okay. So now I got you. And then, and then uh, you can do it during six to eight days. And of course, uh, if you do it uh, the, the the day one, uh, you will have on the other vines ten percent of uh, bud break. Okay, so the surrounding, day, the surrounding yeah. vines have ten yeah. percent bud break, yes. and then yes. I have roughly one week to cut yes. the areas where I want to delay bud break yes. Yes. against That's frost right. exposition. That's right. Okay, and, now and, we, and we during have... this, yeah, <laughs> that absolutely perfect, perfect yes. explanation, and 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 then. Obviously, during these eight days, the other vines will continue to grow. So perhaps at the end of the eight days, eight days, you will have perhaps, uh, I don't know, 50% of bud break or, or more on the other vines, okay? And you can do it because we, we uh, this is, uh, to, to do that, we uh, use uh, something uh, that we call acrotony on the vine, which is when you have a winter cane, when you have a winter cane, uh, which is uh, uh, vertical, which uh, has not uh, been pruned, and which bear uh, eight uh, birds or more, okay? You have what we call the acrotony. Acrotony means that uh, on this cane, the first 
the, 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 the first uh, buds which will grow at the same time than the 10% of the other buds uh, from the other vines will be the top one. And the, grow, the growth of the top one will inhibit the growth of the bottom one. So if you prune, uh, if you do cordon pruning, uh, and then uh, if you let just two or three buds uh, on a spur, uh, if uh, because of acrotony, these bottom buds at the bottom of the cane uh, are not developed, uh, but the top one uh, are developed. So you will prune the canes uh, on which the top buds are already developed. And this is why you just have six to eight days. Because remember, we say that uh, from bud break to flowering, uh, the growing shoots are using the carbohydrate, the sugar reserves. So now after, uh, and, and, and because those canes started to develop uh, at the top the buds, they started to uh, use the sugar, okay? So if now you prune uh, later than uh, six to eight days after the 10%, then <clears throat> you will start to delay flowering veraison and ripening, okay? For example, instead of uh, the latest, just for bud break, if you want to delay bud break, the latest will be eight days after the 10% of bud break on the control vines. So if you want to delay the other phenological stages, you have to wait uh, up to 15 days. So another eight days. So eight like days that. without cut. So I, I have the 10% mark of the, yeah. of the uh, control vines, and then yeah. I wait two weeks instead of, I just yes. cut, okay. and after that, I start cutting. Yes, yes. So, and then because you you started to uh, you started uh, to prune uh, now, uh, let's say two weeks after the ten percent day, I will say yes. okay. Uh, then you will delay flowering, veraison, and and ripening. But but the issue is that because on the on the non-prune case, you, you imagine that uh, now you have more buds which did develop. Yes, sure. Yeah. And they are growing. So they are using the sugar. So I have all these old branches from last year and hundreds of buds going on at the same time, consuming yeah. the carbohydrate yes, reserve yes. we just talked about later. Yeah. Uh, earlier, yeah. and you still have the, the the one or two bottom buds which did not develop. This is why you can. Uh, you, this is the principle of acrotony, which is allowing to delay pruning. Ah, so the the general idea is the buds higher on the on the plant, they will yeah. start yeah. growing earlier. So yeah. if yeah. I leave them there, they yes. will get the main energy from the plant. Yes. And then later I remove them so that the yes. plant switches to the bud, buds I yes. actually want yes. with a Absolutely. delay of some weeks. Absolutely. So then I have a later harvest. I have later yes. uh, phenology ripeness, yes. which is wonderful. But, but because the, 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 the buds, the top buds on the, on the cane uh, started to develop and, 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 and the, the primary shoots started to grow, Like, yes. on the no, like, like on the prune vines, they started to develop. Uh, 
then they started to use the carbohydrate reserve, the sugar. Yeah, but you and can you can do quite an overkill because in your video I saw some of these uh, Shiraz wines that were this high while the other the rest of the vineyard was growing meters above your right. head. That's right, and 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 this is where now uh, it's a bit uh, fine tuning to find the right uh, date to prune first but break to delay ripening. Uh, but uh, on vines which still have a bit of sugar reserves and uh, and uh, anyway uh, people uh, the growers they have to know that if they want to delay ripening by pruning late very late as we say let's say two weeks after the 10% of normal bud break and because of the developing shoots on the cane which started to use the sugar they will lose it So yeah. the lot significantly, the right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Up to 50% and more. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's say if, but sometimes, but at the end, and, and yeah, it, the, depending on the date and on the sugar reserve, it can be anything between, uh, uh, in terms of uh, to lose yield, it can be anything between 20 to 80%. So if you want to delay writing, you have to keep in mind that you will lose yield. Anyway, but uh, so this might be a viable solution for wine growers who try to produce extra high quality wines. So I have a delayed ripening and I have a significant yield reduction, which yes, some people do induce later during the year. Um, yes. So if, if I produce cheap bulk wine, this might be a very bad idea. If I produce yes. high quality, yo, low yield wines that need a long ripening period, this yes. might be a very, very good idea, actually. That's right. That's right. And uh, in Australia, I've tested uh, Pinot Noir, on which they apply the delayed pruning and uh, which did uh, delay ripening. The idea was to delay ripening and just to give some numbers. Uh, and, and, and then the, the yield, the loss of the yield was by 50%, but the wines were just fabulous, uh, more fine, more elegant, etc. Mm. So, so as you said, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, after it's uh, about the, the wine uh, quality and the price of the bottle. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, you said these uh, these topics they get explored in the research field since more than 100 years. Uh, but do you have an idea? Can you estimate how widespread these methods are in actual wine production, apart from academia? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, almost nothing. Have you seen them in use? In, in, in experimentations. Uh, in experimentation, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, that yeah. is in academia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so. Uh, to, to delay bud break, uh, to delay bud break for spring frost, it's, this is used by some growers. I don't have the numbers, but in France, we know it's, it's used by some uh, more small growers, I would say, okay? Uh, it, it's used since many years. Uh, it's, bit, uh, it, it's still anecdotal. But to delay uh, ripening, it's no, I never saw that really mm. used. Uh, yeah, but I think it's it's a very, very interesting idea. And uh, it's it's quite against the mainstream uh, that we get taught in uh, wine growing schools or universities. 
Um, I mean, if I've heard about this, I've never seen it. I've never done it. <laughs> I don't know anybody who does it. Um, but the uh, climatic conditions might actually force us to try out these things. And I really want to encourage every wine grower listening here, just dedicate one of your vineyards to try out these techniques. I mean, you have to, to, to get used to them. You, you won't do it right in the first year and maybe also not in the fifth year. But you have to start learning these techniques if you want to face the climatic conditions that are ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, you made a very important point, which is to tell to people, uh, try it. Yes. Because the, the methods, again, it's not magic. <clears throat> I shared some, uh, let's say, recipes, uh, giving numbers. But uh, the methods, uh, either to delay uh, blood break or either to delay uh, ripening, uh, has to be calibrated on a per region basis, per vineyard basis, per variety basis. For a grower to learn how it's working uh, in, in his own vineyards, yeah, yeah, right. sure. It's, it's a yeah. question of Very experience. Important. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Alain, we are uh, reaching the end of this interview, and uh, I I would like to finish it uh, with a short sneak preview um, on a very different topic and I think uh, if you enjoyed this which I certainly did I would like to um, in, um, to to have another interview with you actually because I saw that you just recently released a book about permaculture and wine oh, yeah. and I think this is a very very interesting topic that we can yeah. for sure talk <laughs> hours and hours about which will totally Uh, crush the time frame we have right now but uh, can you can you please give us a short idea uh, what we find in this book and also if it is available or will be available in English English language because it, I think it is released in French right now right that's right so so uh, first of all again I have to uh, say that the book uh, has been written by Alain Malar another Alain Alain Malar oh. uh, with expert in uh, permaculture. And I did uh, help him uh, to write the book, uh, meaning that uh, I tried to brought the scientific part of the story. Uh, and it was quite interesting to work with uh, uh, someone, uh, Alain, uh, who is expert in permaculture. Uh, because you have uh, different viticultures. Uh, you have the classical viticulture, the organic viticulture, the biodynamic, and you have the permaculture. And permaculture is really interesting to learn uh, about, uh, about grapevine and vineyard as well. Uh, and uh, it's an interesting topic. Uh, I'm not saying that it's something that everybody will, uh, will be able to use, to apply, etc., etc., but... Uh, it's very interesting to learn about it, about vine functioning, etc. Uh, so we, we can uh, we can talk uh, about it. But it was interesting that uh, between, let's say, a, a scientist and, and someone who is uh, involved in permaculture, but who knows very well because he, Alain has vineyards and he's a cons consultant as well. He's doing some consulting, he's a winemaker, so he knows very well. But uh, it's interesting because... Uh, It's a, it's a bit between the, the moon and the south. So that's, we, we try to find a, a compromise between, uh, between the moon and the south. But uh, there are some 
techniques which are or methods which are developed in permaculture which can uh, which could be very interesting to classical vineyards uh, this is a this is an important point so the book is in french and uh, with alain we have decided to write uh, an article uh, in english Uh, the article will be translated in uh, seven languages because it will be published by uh, EVOS Technical Review uh, that you know very well with, uh, with Julien and, and our colleagues who, who are managing this review. So we are uh, going to release in 2020, let's say by the end of this year, bon, we are going to release a technical article on permaculture uh, Uh, just focusing on uh, what can be applied in classical vineyards uh, com coming from permaculture. And we can uh, use this article uh, to stop perhaps a new uh, conversation uh, as we did today. And, and thanks, thanks for, for asking me to share some, uh, some ideas. I'm sorry for my poor English, but Diego, thanks very much. But when the article, my message will be, when the article will be released, we can perhaps... Uh, Uh, organize something on permaculture uh, by the end of this year, if, 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 if you want to. Yeah, sure, because uh, I think this, this might be very important input to the discussion and it will broaden the perspective on wine growing yeah. so much. That's right. Yeah, because That's right. it's, it's a, a quite, quite a niche topic. And, That's right. Uh, That's yeah, right. I, I think <laughs> most, most severe advances in a mainstream field come from the fringe. Like, like it's always the, the niche topics where you find the most uh, the out, uh, outraging ideas that might actually have the biggest impact on, on a certain uh, way of producing wines in, in this uh, case. Yeah. So, Alain, thanks a lot. This was very interesting. Uh, if, people, if people want to follow your work or want to reach out to you, uh, how should they do it? Well, uh, the the best uh, is to uh, get the link with my, with my website, my professional website, uh, because on this website uh, I try to uh, regularly load uh, working documents, or I try regularly to load some uh, publications, etc. Uh, and uh, often. Uh, let's say once a week or once a month on LinkedIn, uh, I, uh, I used to write since many years now some, uh, some short uh, posts on uh, various topics. Uh, and it's in English or in France, it depends in French, it depends on the, on the topic. Uh, but so uh, my professional website and uh, LinkedIn uh, are perhaps two ways to uh, be in relation with, with me. And uh, now if they, if they want more information, but uh, uh, unfortunately I cannot answer to all uh, emails, but they, they can uh, try to contact me by emails. But uh, uh, I'm already sorry for that before <laughs> saying it, but uh, unfortunately I cannot really answer to all emails uh, currently. Okay, so the website was uh, grapevine paradise.com uh, grapevine yeah. minus paradise.com and yes. on LinkedIn I guess it's your full name yes my full so, name Alain Delois which is uh, A-L-A-I-N D-E-L-O-I-R-E Alain right. Delois so yes. there you can go and find him yes. Alain thank you and I hope that we will meet again S thanks to you Diego thanks very much <laughs>